Last week we started sharing called Ready to Win, if you noticed online or whatever, if you looked at it, and we talked about God's character and how he is called the God of hope. So God is the most optimistic there is. So when you deal with God, he's not looking down in blue and thinking, oh no. He's got a big picture of victory. He's got a big picture of hope. Means Hope literally means this. Not like, hey, are we going to go out to lunch today? Well, I hope so. That Maybe, maybe not. Hope from a Bible standpoint literally means a positive expectation. And he's called the God of hope. And it says that he will fill you with hope. So when we encounter God and walk with God, he has a positive expectation of good things, and he wants to fill you with that. And part of that is triumphing, winning, living victorious, and different things like that, walking in his best. Well, we're going to pick up today, and we're going to talk about, instead of the God of hope, we're going to talk about the God of love. Now, even though he's called the God of hope, the Bible calls God love. So when you look at God, God is love. Even if you don't know that, even if you know him and are not maybe experiencing it, we're going to talk about that today. And we're going to talk about how through our experience, we are to give that away. And we are to experience it first, just like the God of hope. You know, he's not overcome by the problems in the world. And as the world gets dark, all of a sudden God's not like, oh no, we're really in trouble. He's like, no, don't sweat it. He's still the God of expectation, the God of triumph, and wants to fill you with that. So God wants us, turn to Hebrews, the sixth chapter, to develop in love. And, and often when teaching on love, you tell what love is and tell how to live in love and grow in love. But we're going to look at it maybe from a little bit different standpoint, how that this love we can mature in, we can develop in, or you could say we grow in love. And to grow in love, this kind of love, is to grow with God. And really, this kind of love is not the kind of love that the world talks about. The love that the world talks about is what can I get? It's more self-seeking. God is not self-seeking. And we're going to talk about how we are to experience this love from God personally, individually, and then we're to turn around and give it away. But how can we experience and what does it look like? Hebrews, the sixth chapter in the first verse, it says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, and basically what this is here is he's telling people there are just some foundational things you need to get down as a Christian that kind of are the ground for your development. And he makes this statement here, let us go on to perfection or literally completeness or let's grow unto maturity. So basically he said, we can grow with God and God wants us to grow in love. 
Are you with me? The Bible said this, evil company corrupts good habits. You could say this, who you hang around with will have an influence on you. You know, what you listen to will have an influence. Some people say, well, music is just words. It's just words. It's just words. But we're going to look at that here in a little bit about what words do and how that we, if we can hang around with God and learn to hang around with God, then the opposite of evil company corrupts good habits, that good company enhances proper habits or God lifestyle. And so here he said we can mature. God wants us to mature. One way that we have to mature if we're going to mature as a believer is in this area of love. And here's what we don't want to do. Jump to, okay, what am I supposed to do? What am I, okay, what am I supposed to do? You, you tell me what to do and I'll do it. Because we're missing out on a big factor because now I'm doing it. It's me. But remember what we're doing here is having a personal relationship with the Lord and His goal in saving you is not just so you can go to heaven, but so He can have a real personal walk with you throughout your life and when you get to heaven. Are you with me? It doesn't start when you get there. He wants to be personal with you. And he wants you to really know and experience his character. And really, so when we talk about love, we don't want to just know love forgives others. Love believes the best of others. We want to really, when we look at this in Scripture, we want to see it in God. We need to experience it in God personally. And it will affect my habits. Are you with me? And so, turn with me to Matthew 5. Jesus writing to the, to the people here, or Matthew writing about what Jesus spoke to these people and to these re religious people. And what he was doing was trying to help them to mimic or start to act like God. And what had happened, religious people were no longer acting like God. They were harsh to people. They were mean to people. They had all these rules that they were imposing on people. And, and not that there aren't boundaries and things like that and things we should and shouldn't do. But what happened was they had lost out on God and it was just a bunch of rules and don't do this and do this. And they weren't being influenced by how God is. And in these verses, he said, God sends his good reign on the just and the unjust. Explaining that God's goodness just comes to humanity. God's goodness comes to you. And so he said this in verse 48, he said, Therefore, and we'll see the same word perfect, you shall be perfect or mature just as your Father in heaven is perfect or complete. And what was he saying? 
God does these good things to people, and God acts a certain way to people. And then he said, through our relationship of seeing how God is, then, and we're influenced by this from God, his goodness, we give it away. Now, you understand, I'm talking to people who have put, that I believe have put their faith in Christ. Before I knew the Lord and was walking with him, I knew I was vacant of certain things, and, and I didn't want to love people, but I knew I, something was not right. But when I gave my life to the Lord, that was one of the biggest things that changed is how I wanted to love other people and how I started experiencing love from God. It was something I didn't know. I thought religion was something there you're going to come and they're going to tell you, quit doing this, stop doing this, quit that, stop it, act like this, pray this long, do all this. And that is missing it because it's back to the rules instead of a relationship. And here's the thing, God will deal with you to pray. I mean, if you have a relationship in some, with somebody, do you ever want to call them? No, then you don't really have a relationship with them. And he'll call on you. He'll want to talk to you. Are you with me? And so let's look at this in detail here. Matthew, the 11th chapter, and we're going to get going in this, about this love, and you could say it like this, just like we experience expectation and hope from God, this love that we're talking about giving, God wants you to experience it and then through experience, give it. In other words, he'll model it for you because it's who he is. He's the most optimistic, but he's the most patient. How many of us maybe don't know that because we did something wrong and we think, oh, great. And we'll even say, I, I did it again, Lord. Like he's not patient. Let that sink in. Matthew 11, verse 29. Remember, Jesus was expressing God to the world. That was one of his uh, missions in the earth. He had a few of them that he was accomplishing. One of them was this, that he was going to reveal the Father God to the world and the name Father that had never been revealed before and he was going to reveal his character. That was one of his missions. And so here in verse 28, he said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So God doesn't want us to not work, but he doesn't want us to be overloaded with burdens. He said this, Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What is he doing right here? He said, come to me, find out how I am. Find out my characteristics. What is God like to you? Is he impatient? Is he trying to put a load you can't bear? Is he condemning? I would not want to come to the Lord if he was condemning. I'd be like, oh, I'll just do this on my own. I know I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. But he said, no, you can come and learn of me and your load will get lightened. 
And so basically the first trait is in this love is really walking with God, learning, fellowshipping with him. Turn to 1 John, way back in the back of the Bible. We're going to look at one more of these verses. And we all individually need to experience God's love. And we need to know what it looks like, how he does things to us. You know, how, how can I know God's love toward me? Will, will he come give me a hug one day? Will, will he, you know, how will this happen? And, and we're going to look at that. Notice this First John 4, verse 19. It says, We love him, we love him, we love him, because, because he's worthy. Well, that's true. But that's not what it said. We love him because if you don't, you're going to hell. Well, that's probably true too if you don't accept the Lord. But we love him because he first loved us. In other words, we experienced his love. And out of that love... We responded in love. And that is really God's method because love is shown literally in his care that's toward every person and toward us individually. That is love. Isn't that expressed when he died and rose again? His love is expressed literally in his belief in us individually. You know, you may not believe in yourself, but God believes in you. And if you could know that God believes in you, then you probably ought to start believing in yourself. Because who's the bigger one here? There's nobody in the earth bigger. There's no devil, no human, no boss, no school teacher, no parent who talked down to you that's bigger than God's opinion. So if love, the Bible said, believes the best of every person, and God is love, then he is believing the best of... I'm glad he didn't put just of people, but put everyone. Because sometimes there are people who will go, that's true about the person next to me, but that's not true about me. But the fact is, God is love. So these things are things we should uh, be experiencing from him. Whether we are or not, he's giving them. That's important because sometimes people think, well, then when I experience it, then I know he's giving it. No, he's giving it whether I recognize it or not. Isn't that true? You know, sometimes people are like, you know, they did something, now they got to go to the, the boss, and they're like, oh, great. And the boss is like, oh, no problem. And we're like, oh, yeah, no problem. And we walk away thinking, that wasn't so bad. God is way that way. Are you with me? Love is shown in his patience toward us and really toward sinners. 
The Bible said one of the reasons why he delays his coming is so that we can reach more people for him because he doesn't want, want people to die and miss heaven. So his patience, now listen, his patience is not just to a lost world. His patience is great toward his children, which are those who have received the Lord. We know love, and love is shown in his tremendous forgiveness and acceptance. We live in a world where if you act like me, and you're cool like me, then we can be cool together. Otherwise, you're not accepted. You'll have to find another cool group that you fit in with, but with me, you're not accepted. Haven't we all seen that somewhere in the world? You know, I mean, not everybody is accepted by other people, but God freely accepts all of us. And accepts, a better way to say it would be you. And forgives us, and he's that way. Part of our relationship with him should be these influences being driven home in your life. These characteristics of him being driven home. Just like he's the God of positive expectation, these ideas are realities that need to be experienced. He's positive, he's ready to believe the best, this is God toward you and toward me. Turn with me to Psalm 34. We're going to talk about this because we want to give this away. And one way that we want to give this away or that we're going to be giving this away is by how we experience it ourselves. I mean, I don't need to do shameless plugs for stores, but once again... Costco, and their free samples. I've been in there before not to get something, and then they always ask the same question, and they're going to get the same answer. Did you find everything you were looking for when you're checking out? And your answer is, no, I found more than I was looking for, and this is not what I came in for. This is extra. Nobody's ever been there before. But it's the truth, and one way they do it is they give samples. And they like, here, try this. And then if, you, if they're good samples, you just circle. You know what I'm talking about? Like Christmas is coming, and they give away those Lindora, the little candy things. Oh, you just walk in circles. And those things are so good, but what are they doing? They're wanting you to taste. They're wanting you to taste. So Psalms 34 says this, and we'll begin reading in verse 8. It says, O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. So what does God want you to taste about Him? That He's good. What does God want you to taste? I mean... I've gone out to eat with people, especially when I was a youth pastor, and then people thought it was the funniest thing. I found it amusing myself. Whoever goes to the bathroom, your drink gets it. 
say, what do you mean? It just gets filled with salt. If you can hide Tabasco in it, and then you come back and you taste and you're like, Ugh, that's not what God wants you to taste. I'm not suggesting anybody do that today at lunch or anything. But God, you know, some people think that once they get saved, you know, they get this great taste, but after the taste you get with God is just not as good. Not true. It should be just as good and better because he's being revealed in the path of the righteous, the Bible said, grows brighter and brighter. So your best day was not when you got saved. But am I tasting? Notice what it says. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. Slow down and think about that. If you are to trust in Him and He just said the Lord is good, then you're to trust the Lord is good to you. The Lord's got good things for you. That's an attribute of his love. That is something he's wanting you to experience from him. He wants you to taste that he's good. He wants you to taste that he's a forgiver. He wants you to taste that he has redeemed you from spiritual death. He's redeemed you from lack. He's redeemed you from different things. He bought you back from it. And he wants you to experience it. But how do I taste how can I taste? This verse I'm about to read, I don't think I've ever read it in church. I mean, I've read it, but I don't think I've ever, I've read it more than one time, but I haven't read it in church. Turn to Job. We'll let everybody get there who's turning. If not, you can just wait for everybody to get there. Job, and we'll, it's right before the book of Psalms, and we'll begin reading in Job 34. I won't tell you the verse until you're there. But we're all supposed to taste. How many of you know what we said at the beginning? We're to taste this love ourselves. We're to experience this love ourselves. And then we are to give this love away to friends, family, relatives, lost people, everybody who's around us. How do I taste this love that he told me, taste, that I'm good. I made the statement at the beginning, the Bible is God's word. It has to be that for you in order to taste. Are you ready? Job 34, verse 3. For the ears test, the ear tests words, the ear tests words as the palate or other translations say the tongue tastes food you could say it like this just like your mouth gets the flavor out of food your ears taste things too your ears taste Are you with me? Because the Bible talks about bitter envy and strife being given. Well, how do you get and experience that bitter envy and strife? You 
hear it in words. Words are huge. You know, the Bible talks about preaching the Word of God. He said the Word is meat. Can you taste meat? He said the Word is like the honeycomb. He talked about certain words, and he talked about how the Word is like milk. Don't all these things have a flavor? And he said here, he said the ear tests, or you could say tastes words... As the tongue tastes food. Then that means one of the primary ways I am going to be able to taste is to hear certain words. Maybe you didn't know when I said earlier love is shown in God's care toward you. I was going in your ear and you were getting a taste. I could have left a bitter taste in your mouth and said, you better watch out because uh, God cares for you, but he may get really mad at you. And then you're like, whoa, you're tasting. You're tasting. And he said that you can taste. That's why when you read the Bible, you want to be real careful when you're reading it because you could hear certain things that God's anger is kindled. Look at what he was kindled, his anger was kindled at, and to whom? And how that the judgment came upon Christ that belonged upon us. So where we would get judgment outside of Christ, we get mercy. You know, that's a taste. And taste can leave, you know, a flavor in your mouth. You know, you talk about aftertaste. Do you know words can linger? And if we're going to taste and see that the Lord is good and He told us, then I'm going to need to go look. Because notice He said, taste and see that He's good then that means I'm going to need to hear good words in my ears. And just like my mouth, now I've been around some people who their tongue or palate is really sensitive. And I'm like, yeah, there's salt in there. And they're like, no. There's these 17 things. And I'm like, yeah, I noticed the salt. I mean, I could tell the difference between bad and good, but there are some people who are very developed. And he said that your ears can taste. I wonder if people have had a wrong diet a lot of their life and they're skewed. Maybe eating better food would change your taste buds or develop them. And didn't he say, like the tongue tastes, the ears do the same thing? Here, try this. Try this. 
Well, if he's telling us that he loved us first, and then we give that love, then God's going to want us to be tasting. Proper words with our ears, so they affect our heart. So we realize, man, God is a God of love. He's a God of mercy, a God of strength, a God that's got answers. And when you hear those, those taste good. You know, it talks about bitter words, certain type of words that go into the belly. How do they get there? They don't go through your mouth and you eat them. They go into your ear and you taste them. And so God wants us to get used to eating certain things because why? Turn to, to uh, 2 Corinthians. Why would God want us to taste a certain way? Well, because he loves us individually and he wants us to experience this love, who he really is. But then we really are his hands and his feet. So he's depending on us to first experience and to continually experience in order that I and you might be able to give it away. Are you with me? First, or 2 Corinthians 2, notice this verse 14. Now, 2 Corinthians 2, 14, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. How many know God's always leading you into the best? If you're not sure, he said that's how he always leads us, into the best, into winning, in Christ. But notice this, and through us, through us, diffuses or releases the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Notice God is expecting to release something through us to others, and it says through his knowledge. Well, we know knowledge can be seen in actions, but knowledge can be heard in words, and people get to taste. He said in verse 15, For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Look at that. We are to come under his influence. We are to be experiencing his love. And then through our experience from God, and that's real personal. But it's so personal, it should become public. It should become public. God is the strongest, most powerful, but he is love. He's patient, he's kind, he's long-suffering. And he wants this stuff to come through us, but he wants us to experience it. Everybody alive? Yes. All right, just checking. Turn here to, first, or to Acts, the 15th chapter. We'll read just a couple more verses. But Acts 15, God doesn't want us to transfer just religion. God doesn't want us just to transfer rules. God wants us to transfer him to people. And the best way for me to transmit him to people is me to experience him first, 
or at the same time. And then through my experience with him, as I hear from him and he deals with me and I know him and I truly start seeing how good he is toward me and toward you, then that will influence me and that's what I'll be able to start giving away. Are you with me? And, and there's, there's a danger in harsh religious stuff, even among people who love God. You better not do this. You better, you, you got to pray a bunch. Hey, God will deal with you. We can teach on prayer. We can tell people, hey, if you spend time with God, it is a glorious thing. And it is. But I think God, too, and his relationship with us will draw us if we pay attention. Are you with me? So we want to be careful what kind of rules and things are being set on people. And this verse right here, to me, is a portraying of love toward believers, but toward new believers, too. Notice this in Acts 15, verse 19. People were getting saved. The Gentiles were coming in, non-Jewish people, and they were coming in, they're just in droves. And what happened was religious people got to them first. There's always a danger of a new Christian coming in and a religious person getting to them first. Setting up rules, and I'm talking spirit-filled religious person. I know that sounds weird, but it's true. But getting in and commanding rules and commanding certain things, you need to start dressing like this, you need to stop doing this, you need to start doing this, you need to quit hanging around with this person, you need to do this. And what happens is they're all of a sudden getting religious rules, and that stuff's not out of their relationship. I know for me... Nobody told me, quit listening to music, certain kinds. God started dealing with me. I kept hanging around with people, and then God started dealing with me who to hang around with. I didn't need everybody to tell me. If I was going to grow with God, he was going to deal with me. I was going to need to respond. I remember one time knowing something about somebody. God clearly dealt with me. As a matter of fact, there was a girl with me and then this other girl who was in Bible school who was back for the holidays and said, oh, I got this new boyfriend. Inside, I knew this is not right. And I almost said something to him. And the Lord clearly spoke to me and it helped me. He's, he dealt with me, don't tell them. And I'm like, it's wrong. It's wrong. And he said, if you don't give them an opportunity to hear and obey, they won't grow. God cared enough about them that he wanted to develop his relationship with them and not put rules. And so here in Acts 15, people were flocking in, they were getting saved, and religious people came and were uh, just setting up all kinds of rules. For him, you got to keep this feast. You got to do this, and I mean, it just started getting to the point where they're 
you know, it's just one rule after another. And now there's a division and they're not following a relationship. They're starting to follow rules. That happened in Galatia. He wrote a whole letter about that. And we should give people the opportunity to grow with God themselves. But notice this. He said here in the 15th chapter in the 19th verse. He said, therefore I judge that we should not trouble those among the Gentiles who are turning to God. One, one translation talks about laying on them stuff. A, another translation says this, don't make it, let's not make it more difficult on them that are turning to God. Wow, could a Christian, me, us, whoever, make it more difficult on somebody who's turning to God? This was the consensus. Is what we're telling them making it more difficult or more hard? And then it says in verse 23, Therefore I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to the Lord, verse 20, but that we, or we should not put a burden on them or make it harder, but that we should write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols and to abstain from sexual immorality and things strangled and from blood. That was their letter. Be careful about idol worship. Be careful about false gods and going after different religious things and, you know, different stuff like that and abstain from sexual immorality. Well, lying is a good thing to tell people not to do. Being faithful to God, that's a good thing to tell people to do. Well, what about praying? That's a good thing to do. All of them are good things, but I know this. God will deal with us about him too. So he basically said, we're going to give to them. And he, if you go back and read, he said, we couldn't even keep all the things we're telling them to do. So let's not make it harder on them. What are they doing? They're trying to take their relationship with God and not pollute it with these other people. Turn back to Job. The 34th chapter. And we're going to look at that verse one more time. But instead of, from our standpoint of tasting, do you know what we give is a taste. What, what are we allowing other people to taste? These, these are good questions. Helpful. Helpful to me. Helpful for us. Because we might be zealous, but, and, and that's good, but the Bible talks about we should temper our zeal with genuine knowledge. In other words, what are people tasting through me? So what I need to do is I really need to taste from Him. His goodness. His mercy. 
I shouldn't just eat of this patience and then not you eat of my patience. Because that patience I'm getting from him, he's going to want me now to turn around and give that to somebody else. And when I give that to somebody else and share patience and certain attributes, guess what? That's what they get to taste. They get to taste God through me. Notice, for the ear tests words or tastes words. Remember, I am going to be testing and tasting words with my ears, so I should look at different things about His goodness toward me. And how He loves me. You know, part of the reflective thing there in a, about marriage in Ephesians was we are to experience God's love and then give that in the marriage relationship. And basically implying that it will be difficult to give it properly if we haven't received it and experienced it ourselves. So we need to taste it. We need to read and look. And that's how you're going to taste it. But then he said we are to give it away. How is it that we're going to give it away? With our actions, but also our words. And the words that we give away will allow others to taste too. Are you with me? What a powerful thing. I mean, we normally don't want to eat things that are bad for us. Knowingly. And as we start experiencing God's love for ourselves, we'll be able to control the words we give to people so that they get to taste appropriately from us. How is it that we're tasting? Because of our relationship with Him. I love this verse. I mean, I don't have any verses on my wall at home, but this would be an interesting one if people came over. You know, God so loved the world or whatever, you know. I know the plans I have to you. How about for the ear tests words? As the palate or the tongue tastes food. People would say, now that's an interesting Bible verse on your wall. But, you know, that's a personal application of you getting to test and taste things that come from God after you are tasting gives you something to give. What am I tasting? It's a good way to look at it. Maybe as a Christian... You know, the Bible tells us this, and, and we're done, to uh, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and don't be conformed to this world. You know, the world is negative. The Bible said that as the end times get nearer, the love of many will draw cold. And so we can see that being like the world would be negative, being like the world would not be walking in love. And so he's basically saying, you can hang out with God, eat and taste of this love yourself, have a personal fountain, a personal buffet, 
for you. How many had trick-or-treaters? I know there's some people who are like, I don't believe in trick-or-treating. Well, I believe in candy. (laughs) So I believe in it. No. Anyway, I have a motto. Buy what you want to eat yourself. It means don't be a cheapskate. Get the good stuff. Because you know you're sampling. Anything left over goes to you. I mean, it's just personal now, right? Get the good stuff. God wants you to get the good stuff from him so you can give the good stuff to them. Are you with me? He he wants that for you. So you're going to have to hear some stuff and have to do it on purpose. And just like the world tends toward negativism, If you start reading and start looking at all the negative stuff, back up. Start looking. If God is the God of positive expectations, start looking at positive things toward you because that's what God wants to get in you so you can give it away. And not so you become depleted. There's plenty of Reese's to go around. I'm sorry. Or whatever you like. There's plenty for you from Him. Because we know this about God, which is just beyond imagination. Throughout eternity, we'll never exhaust knowing more and more and more and more about Him in trillions and trillions of years. He's so vast and deep in how He is love. We'll just constantly will be being revealed. Well, then that means all through our life, here in this short time, it should be being revealed too, more and more and more, and we'll never exhaust it so that we can give it away.